Across the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today I have another special guest with me, all the way from Jonesville, one of my fellow natives, another Wildcat with me today. Y'all may know him as The Plug. We called him Gump, but um, he is the founder of The Plug Cafe. Right now I have with me Mr. Jabron Barber. Gump, what's going on? What's up with you, man? man. How y'all doing out there? Can't complain, can't complain, man. I appreciate you. Just let me tell you, first of all, man, I'm happy to have you on. I think you might be the first person from John from the Ville to, to come on with me I believe I'm, I'm trying to think I think you might be but you know just watching your story man just watching you just knowing you growing up you know we went to school together um and watching your journey is like into entrepreneurship man this has been inspiring for me because I, I just respect the grind you know it's one thing you know to see people you know start their journey of entrepreneurship but then when it's somebody from from back home and you just watch them just get it out the mud and just put in the work every day um, and to see how you bring so many people together with what you're doing, man, it's, it's inspiring for me, man. So I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come sit down with me and talk a little bit more. All right. So kind of starting out, though, uh, for people that, that don't know you, how would you describe yourself like the plug, the Jabron Barber? How would you describe yourself? Uh, far as, uh, for myself, I say I'm a giver. Um the biggest thing with me, I just want to make sure everybody get their money worth because I feel like a lot of companies don't give people what they deserve as far as with their money because it's hard to get your money now. So I feel like you got to give everybody everything they need for what they worth. Mm-hmm. So from we're from a small town from Jonesville, Jonesville, South Carolina. People that don't know, I know a lot of people, when I tell them I'm from Jonesville, they be like, where that's at? Like a little small town. Or if you say anything about Union, they'll say, oh, Susan Smith or something like that, something right. related to it. How would you describe Jonesville for people that don't know it? It's just a small country town. <laughs> everybody family. Even if they ain't family, we still consider each other family. We got everybody back. Yep. Everybody know everybody. And I always tell people we only have about, what, three lights in our in our town? Yeah, in the whole town. We got, what, Fastfield, uh, right there by the Mini Mart, and then the other one right there by the high school. Yep. So those are the only three lights that we have in the whole entire town, man. But like I said, I, I love it because it's, it's home for me. It's home for you, too. Right. Um, ain't nothing like it. Um, but it's, it's always like, even when I, wherever I travel, when people ask me, I'm always saying like, I'm from Jonesville. I don't say union. I say <laughs> Jonesville. It's a difference. It, it definitely is a difference, <laughs> man. And people get mad when we say that, but like union, Jonesville, same thing. Nah, it's like, nah, it's, it's totally different, man. It's two different places. But, um, for, for you, how would you describe like your childhood from Jonesville, you know, living out in Kelton, like, and that's the country, definitely yeah. the country. Like how how would you describe your childhood growing up? Well, I was a spoiled kid. I, I can't say I, you know, my dad he worked twenty four seven. You know, my mom took care of the home, uh, my aunts and and my grandma. Everybody, we all stay in the same area. We got like ten acres of land. Everybody stay next to each other. Um, we're very family oriented. Everybody get along. You know, every family have a couple fallouts, but we all stick together. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody in Kelton family, really, Jonesville, we all family. Yeah. Everybody just stick together, just like I say. It's small, but it's big when it need to be. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody know everybody. Yeah. What What would you say kind of influenced you growing up? Because I know down there, it's a small town. Like I said, it's 
not a whole whole lot to do where we're from but you know we still find ways to you know have our fun and make things happen um what what would you say was kind of like influenced you growing up um watching my dad work hard and the things he brought to the family as far as you know nice things and i always had and didn't go without you know watching him grind it makes me want to do the same thing i didn't understand as a kid why i couldn't get that time like i wanted with him but as I got older, I understood it, it paid off. It was the right thing. Right. I, I say the same thing, you know, growing up. You know, your parents work to, you know, take care of you and make sure you have everything that you need. Um, did you ever feel like, you know, growing up, did you ever lacked anything? Like, maybe where it's just like, uh, well, time or, or just, you know, like you said, not, you know, when your parents not always being there. But did you ever feel like you ever lacked anything? Yeah, I far as credit, I should have, I wish my parents taught me better, you know, a way of using credit to make my life easier. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, we didn't usually really take that serious. Everything we did in the country, we felt like just paying cash would take care of everything. But yeah. now that the world has changed, we see how important credit is. So now I hope they instill that in my kids the same way. Mm -hmm. But I always say, you know, even growing up, it's like, it's not their fault because they can't teach what they really don't know right. much about and have that type of knowledge. Now, with the access to, you know, social media, the internet, and everything, now we have a little bit more of a head start. Um, to That way we can teach our children about, you know, credit and the importance of credit. And, you know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with paying cash, but right. sometimes it's good to have that cash as, as a backup when you when you really, really need it. Right. Um, but, you know what I'm saying, like, they didn't always have those incentives because for the most part it was like they were just – Taught to survive, you know. Right. Go to work and make sure they make sure we had everything that we needed. And with them, they felt like credit was a way of getting in debt. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's it kind of depends on the way you look at it, because you know some people say see that credit and be like, oh, I got all this type, all this money I can use. Now, if you use it for the wrong reason, right, then it's gonna be a problem. But you know, and like like I said, a lot of people they see it, they don't understand. Like even when you talk to people at the banks or anything, they tell you only use like thirty percent of their credit, right. And but a lot of times people see that amount of credit, you might have four, five thousand, maybe ten thousand dollars in, in credit on on a credit card, and you think, oh, that's free money. Mm -hmm. But you got to understand the responsibilities that come with it. But you know. That's just something that we didn't even learn in school anyway, though, nope. on, to, on top of all of that. Right. Yep. So what do you feel like you, what do you enjoy, you know, from where we're from, you know, we didn't get to graduate from our school, but what what do you feel like you, what did you enjoy the most about being from, um, being from Jonesville? Everybody was family. Yeah. Like I always say yeah. that, like, it seemed like when we went to Union, everybody was divided. But it was like that before our time, you know. Mm -hmm. Everybody had their problems or whatever, but at the end of the day, everybody was molded at the end. The Jonesville, Union, and Lockhart, everybody started coming together. What I, what I miss about us, you know, being at Jonesville, like I said, everybody knew everybody. Our school, we were 7th through 12th grade, and I remember, you know, playing football and basketball, get out of school, we all walked down to the cafe, mm -hmm. get something to eat, man. <laughs> You got people's grocery right there. Yep. Go in there. You might go get a honey bun for 25 cents or something. But we was like, we always stuck together. Everybody walking, you know, going to get something to eat before the games and everything like that. And then my boy DJ, his house was right down the road. So we might go walk down to DJ house, chill, play the game for a little bit or something, man. It's just those things. And then, you know, like Friday nights, 
everybody in the town coming out to the football games, uh, the chair zone. Then you got the basketball, the Union and Jonesville game. Yeah. Like that was yeah, the that one. Was big. Yeah. Yeah. That brought everybody out, man. And we one thing about it, we we rolled for our people no matter what. Yeah, man. we did. Yep. Um. So that transition, you know, y'all were you were in the first class. You you was in the same class as my brother. Y'all were the first class to to graduate once they closed our school down. Um, combined us with uh, Union and Lockhart. What do, what was that experience like? You from transitioning from like from Jonesville, like our small close knit school, to you know transitioning over to Union. It was big. It was it was different, you know, being in the class with 20, 30 people to go on to 60, 70 people in your class. Yeah. So it was definitely a totally different environment. It was. I. It was cool. Like, it was a little bit, like, for me, it wasn't as bad. We had we did three years there because we were, it's my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So we did three years. It wasn't bad. You know, we got a chance to, you know, bond and build relationships with other people. Which is kind of it's the same way in life, anyway. As you you know grow grow on, move on in life, you're gonna meet new people and have to interact with people, especially running a business, anyway. Right. Um, but for me, I always still kind of like roll my same circle, regardless. You know, you still make new friends in Union, but for me, I was still still with my same boys. You know, throughout that whole entire time. But but while we were in school, did you know kind of like uh, did you have an idea of like what you wanted to do? Um, after after high school, anything like that? No, I was just really just stuck on the sports. I didn't I didn't know what my next move would be. Hmm. So after graduation, when did you have anybody in your corner say, "Hey, was it? Were you thinking college? Was it uh, uh, just going straight to work? Like, what was it? Did you think like was anybody in your ear pushing you to go one way or the other?" Yeah, my, my family was definitely pushing me to go to college. So I, I did make that move. And then I went into the workforce for 10 years, and I felt like it wasn't for me anymore. I wanted a better life instead of giving my whole life to a company. Mm-hmm. You became you became a father at an early age. Um, I think we were still in school. You might, we might still be it's in school. It was my last year of school. Yeah, last year in school. How did that impact you as far as, like, your decision-making of, like, what you wanted to do and, like, how did, you know, becoming a father just shape you? (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) It's either I had to to make the best decisions or I go down the wrong road. It was I make a good life for them or like my parents did for me or I just, I don't know. I know for me, I I was – this was my uh, senior year. I became a father my senior year in college. And uh, for me, I, I have three. But mine were, so I had two at the age of 22. They were two months apart. One of them was born. My son just had a birthday in May. And then uh, my daughter, she was born in July. They were two months apart. And uh, I remember when I was in New York, I was uh, talking about this in, in one of my interviews. And, uh, you know, she, she um, encouraged me, you know, talk about it even more in my in my interviews having conversations and uh you know just reflecting on that like at the time I thought I was like man this was like kind of like to me I felt like it was about to be the end of the world I was like man I got two kids I'm still in college getting mm-hmm. ready to graduate I was like how am I gonna make it but thankfully you know I have a support system that uh they really help you know kind of make that transition easier for me 
But it's still, you know, that's a big responsibility being a parent it at is. a young age. It's like there's no handbook on on what to do, and then you got those late nights on that newborn getting up and changing diapers and formula and everything. <laughs> it's a lot that comes comes with that, so uh, it can be a tough tough transition. But at the same time, it's a blessing in disguise. It is because now you know time going by. My oldest is. Nine now. How old is your old? Fifteen. Fifteen. Man, so they got how fast the time go by, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. So now they get a chance. Your, your kids get a chance to see you grow up, and uh, they get a chance to see you work and put do the type of work that you do. So what what kind of work ethic do you try to instill in your children now that they see you? You know, they see you working nine to five, and now they see you um, as a business owner. Like, what kind of work ethic do you try to instill in them? I try to. Tell them even if they did get a job, I want them to learn from the job to build themselves up to try to work for themselves. I know everybody can't do that, but I just want them to have an easier path. I try to set it up for them to have an easier path in life, but if it don't happen that way, I'm still gonna try to make that happen. Right. <laughs> did you did you have like a a mentor or somebody that you looked up to, you know, growing up that kinda like instilled some some things in, in into you? Yeah, I, I would say my mother, because she never quit. Even mm-hmm. when her back was against the wall, she always made things happen for me. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to always see your mom um, down at uh, at Montetna with my son. He was uh, mm-hmm. when he was at Montetna when he was younger. Um, I used to see your mom out there all the time then, and just speaking. You could tell she just loves, you know, being around kids. Yeah, she loves kids. Yeah, always, you know, active in the community. Um, you know, just helping everybody out. So I definitely. Uh, Appreciate your mom for always looking out for mine as, as, as well when he was at Montetna. So, what kind of advice would you say that did she did she did you get from her or anybody else that kind of like helped you along your journey? Like some of that advice. Well, she just really just told me um, if I want to do something, I just got to make it count. I need to do something that everybody like. I need to always try to do something positive and don't try to be like my friends and don't go down the wrong path because that ain't going to take care of these kids. I got to do everything the right way to make sure I make sure they always have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after high school, you say you, you went to college, for, went to school for a little bit, um, you got into the job force. What, what kind of jobs did you work in the past and your, what kind of work experience did you have? Um, I worked with uh, Dollar General Distribution in Jonesville. I worked there for two years and then um, I went to Lear Corporation. I worked there for 10 years. That was my last job two years ago. Um, we made seats for BMW. Mm-hmm. What kind of, uh, like, what was it for you that was like, man, this, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, that's that's what we see growing up, so that's what we think yeah. life is. And then when you start getting those checks, you like, you, you can, you at times you tend to get comfortable, like, man, I'm making good money here. Um, got these benefits and everything. But what was it for you to say, man, let me just get off these folks' clock and just do my own thing? Well, I say week one, I I, um, I said I wanted to get out of that job. But I, I ended up being there 10 years. I stayed the whole time. And my kids was having baseball games and football games and stuff like that. And I was always putting in vacation time. And I couldn't get off to go to their games and stuff like that. So it started bothering me. And they just getting older and older, and I was missing a lot of time with them. So I said I want to create my own schedule. So I, I started my own business. Um, as far as cooking, I was cooking at the back of my my yard, and I was selling plates from home. Well, at first I was giving plates away for free, 
And then everybody was saying my food was good. So I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start selling plates. I stopped giving it away, selling it, and it took off from there. And then people was calling me while I was on the job. They were like, you cooking today? I was like, I got to make a decision. It's going to be one of the two. So I went with the cooking, and I got to spend time with my kids and cook. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked out fine. Talk about that feeling of, you know, being at a job. Like we was talking about it earlier before we started the interview, you know, it's something, I mean, of course there's nothing wrong with having a job because a lot of people that's going to support you, they work traditional nine to five. They're going to help, and they have bills to pay. Um, and it, does, it, it pays everybody's bills. But talk about that feeling, you know, working a nine to five, um, and, you know, like you said, you having to ask for that time off, not necessarily always getting that time and missing missing events because um, you have to go to work, of course, to, you know, to take care to take care of your kids, but talk about that feeling of like what that did to you as like far as like impacting your decision, you know, just take that leap of faith. Basically I just I was big on freedom. It wasn't about the money anymore. I was seeing no matter how much how many hours I put in on that job, I still wasn't getting no freedom. It was always something I had to take care of. So I felt like I said if I'm gonna put my time in with this job, I could do the same thing with myself. I could do the same thing with my kids, cause you'll never get that time back. So that's why I made that decision. Absolutely. What made you stick with you know cooking? Cause I like you said we we seen you we we grew up we grew up um, in the same area. But like you said, you were cooking. I seen the times where uh, you may have sold clothes, uh, washed cars, everything. But what was it that made you stick to you know like really like get into like cooking on the grill? Well, at first I didn't have a passion for it. I was just doing it for the money. But after a while, I just fell in love with it. And I was seeing the smile that I was bringing to people's face. And I see I could feed the homeless. And, I, you know, I could do that on a daily and it wouldn't hurt me. It was just the people made me want to continue to do the things that I was doing because it wasn't about the money anymore. Everything else with the clothes and the shoes and washing cars, stuff like that. It was all about the money, but with this, it, I can just go back out the next day and keep going. It don't it don't matter if I make the money or not, and I can impact the child or somebody older, and make them want to make a decision if they want to step out on faith to do their own thing or be like me. Absolutely, yeah, you never know. Like just something simple as you know, a plate of food. Like you said, everybody got to eat. Everybody Somebody's gets. gonna want something to eat every day, so it's a perfect business. And like you said, the impact that you're making with. With, with with families, with strangers that don't even know you, um, like you say, you can always put a smile on their face. I want to ask you. I saw a post that you had um, not long ago, and you kind of alluded to the to earlier. Kind of paraphrasing a little bit, it said the same energy you put into your job, put into your business. Every day is a risk. You can get it all today and lose it tomorrow. You can walk in your job and they and and they shut down. Everything is a risk. Don't be scared. Um, it's, it's, it's self-explanatory, but you, but you know, a lot of people are afraid to, you know, take their risk and, and you know, go out there and do something they love to do. Like, they, they have a job, but they want to go do with something that they're really passionate about. Talk about that, um, that uh, quote that you put online. Well, as far as that, I feel like if you're materialistic, you're not going to make it. You got to be able to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice a lot of things and not have nice things at the beginning until you can be able to afford the nice things more than one time. As you hear, a lot of people always say, if you can't buy it twice, you don't, you don't need mm-hmm. it at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I really agree with that. Um, you got to treat your business like your job. You got you to gotta be on time. And that's something I used to didn't do, but you got to be on time. You got to really want to 
want to do it to be successful. People got to see it in your eyes. They got to always see it in their face for your business to get where it need to be. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're going to fail. Yeah, but you can't be scared to fail because you can fail on the job. Exactly. <laughs> you can walk in tomorrow after your 10 years and they say, we shutting down. What you going to do? Just like that. No Just reason. like that. It happens. Yep. And I seen uh, – I seen years ago, Dame Dame Dash was uh, he he was on a speaking panel. Somebody was interviewing him or something, and he was saying something along the lines of, you know, people always think that having a job is safe, but how is it safe if you can be fired? And I mean, he made a great point. He's like, like you said, nothing is ever guaranteed. Nothing is safe. So at the same time, like, if all this stuff is gonna go away anyway. Um, why not, you know, invest in yourself and try to take that chance right. and, and do what you really want to do? When you, when you spoke about sacrifices, though, um, what would you say is like a set, some, some things you had to sacrifice or give up to, you know, get to where you are right now? Um, one thing I had to do, I had my own place. I had to let that go um, and to go stay back with my grandma. Um, the nice cars, you know, I always like to have a nice car, rims and stuff like that. I couldn't do that no more. The Jordans, the nice clothes, I had to let all that go and just invest everything into my business to get it where it's at. And it's working. <laughs> Man, that's that's. I remember talking to Julius about that as well because you know he, like you said, at one point he he had a job, he had a business, and he quit that job to you know work his business more things didn't work out when, when the pandemic hit, you know, he had to go back to get another job. And he, you know, he had to swallow his pride and, you know, do what he had to do just to just, just to make it through those times. Like you were saying, you uh, moved in with your grandma, you, you you let your nice fancy car go. Like, what did that do to you, like, mentally, like, as far as, like, the impact, you know, swallowing your pride, you know, to, to understand, like, in order for me to get where I want to go, I got to let some of this materialistic stuff go. Well, at that time, I was like, oh, this ain't working. I might need to go back to work. And then something just changed, and I just started being booked. People kept calling, and I think the man above just blessed me to continue to keep going. Every time I feel like I'm falling, it's something I always pick me back up. The people encourage me, even, you know, seeing people post just like I do. You know, some sometimes you just – somebody post can make your day. Mm-hmm. When, when, so starting out – I want to talk about those early days. You, you, you know, people were, were wanting to like request your food, try to book you, but you were still at work. And then you finally, after ten years, decide to let it go, let your job go. What was like the the beginning um, stage of what you were doing, like cooking on on the grill? Like, what was those early days like? Um, I was just I worked Monday through Friday, and I just cooked Saturdays and Sundays. It was just a weekend thing. It was my side job. Um, and then started getting more serious, and I started getting more, more and more people requesting, and it was getting overwhelming. So I said I had to make the decision: it was gonna be go full time cooking or work my job. Where did you begin? You know, setting up at like I know you say you were cooking at home at first, but then like to find as far as like you finding your location, like where did you? Did you first start setting up it? Um, I was at a gas station on 29, um, right in front of Tipsy Taco. Mm-hmm. And then how do you how do you find your other locations? You just you go in and talk to them because a lot of times, like when I, for me, just using my example, when I when I started doing interviews, 
I would just like local interviews. I would just walk into like different businesses mm-hmm. and ask, tell them what I'm doing, ask them would they be willing, you know, come on and share their story. This is just free game for anybody that's got a podcast right. and want to do interviews or whatever you want to do in general. But I would just walk into these different places and say, hey, tell them who I am. This is what I'm doing. Not even asking, no money involved or nothing. Just would you be interested in sharing your story? So. That's why I was started out locally, and then I began to, you know, expand, expand and start traveling outside the state. So for you, how how did you go about, you know, you started at a gas station, but now we see that you move around to different places in the in the red area and just all over. Um, what what did you do as far as like, you know, get those to different expand uh, different expand. places? Yeah. Um, well, when I was in Greer, um, I I was doing really great, and it got bad, I hate to say it, but a lot of businesses around me, they got me shut down um, after a year and a half. So I was just about to continue, just give the business up completely. Um, I made a post, people were devastated about it. Um, I had a lot of big corporations and you know people reaching out to me, telling me that I can come to their location. So really a lot of people just reached out to me and it just started giving me a little faith. It was hard at the beginning because everybody was used to me being at one spot. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't got social media. So it gradually, you know, picked back up But once people started knowing where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when you said that, and I reached out to you. I was like, hey, I know somebody. This was when uh, Mr. Floyd, when the, the Ricky driving over here mm-hmm. burned down. So I reached out to him and uh, just asked him about the, that, that land because it was cleared out. But he told me he had already sold and everything. But... I remember hitting you up, you know, trying to help you, you know, yep. find something, find a space that you can uh, set up at. But did you look at it? It's, it's it's a lot of different ways that you can look at that situation. Um, but but did you? Because it could for me, I look at it as like a blessing in the sky. It's like man, these it's like all these big businesses around here are focused on me doing what I'm doing. Did you look at it as like you know you're doing something positive and like it's finally taking the attention of like a lot of these different businesses? Like how did you look at that? Because I know you were saying. At first, it was, you almost wanted to give up, but did you, did you also look at it as a positive? Yeah, because at the beginning, I was I was upset, and I said they was hating. You know, we always say mm-hmm. that, but sometimes you got to look at it as there's a way to move you in the right direction because I, I just want to stay at that spot. I turned birthday parties down. I turned big events down mm-hmm. just to be at that spot because I knew I'd make that money. Um but with me being able not to be at that spot anymore, it opened up doors that I never thought would open. Mm-hmm. Like I just fed 1,125 people at Madness Eden. I never done that many people in my life, and it, it was it was a great experience. And it just showed you it's it's okay to not be comfortable, like you yeah. say. You were in that spot. Yeah. Um, the people knew you were gonna be at all the time, so they could just uh, come there and find you. Now, it just shows kind of like forces you out your comfort zone to like move move out and expand and go to different places like that um, instead of staying in one spot. But talking about that, you say you just you just fed Magna. Mm-hmm. How did how was it, um, you know, being that, you know, we work traditional nine to fives for so long and, and these companies take care of us. And I also saw you said this online and to and I'm paraphrasing where you were, these companies were, were feeding you and your family. Now you're feeding them. Like talk about that feeling of, you know, finally turning the tables and now you're feeding uh, these companies? Well, it's, it's a great feeling because for my first company, when I first left, Lear let me feed them. And I worked for them for 10 years, so 
it made me feel like they believed in what I had going on. You know, most companies, they, they feel like when you leave them, it's forget you. Mm-hmm. But they paid me, they tipped me, and they, they told me to continue my journey. And they always keeping the door open if, you know, if this fails, I can come back. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't give you that opportunity. So I appreciate them for that, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you said, because a lot of times with business, it could be uh, ill will or bad feelings. And mm-hmm. like, like you said, once you leave, they don't want nothing to do with you or, or vice vice versa. But at the same time, it's so when you when you're at a job, I think in general, like when you're at a job, always be appreciative, always be respectful because you never know what can happen on in either situation. Maybe they need you, or you might need to go back and you know work with them in some kind of way. But right. it's, in business, it's in whatever it is that you're doing. I didn't get a chance to ask you, but talk about the name, the plug, and like. How did you get that name, and what made it stick for you? Well, at the beginning, it was because of the shoes, the clothes, car mm-hmm. washes. I could connect you to anybody else was doing something that you need. It was just like I was the, the mold. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to call myself the plug. And and everybody just started saying, just calling me the plug. It went away from golf yeah. to the plug. So <laughs> I was like, I got to come up with a business name. Oh, I'm going to say the plug cafe because I could do more than grill. I don't want people to just think I could do one thing, you know. I'm, I'm a chef now, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm just getting, I'm more creative now. I, I can't just do one thing. Mm-hmm. So I stuck with the plug because I felt like if you want to come to me, I can connect you to anybody. I'm going to plug you in with this food. Everybody going to be happy. Do people ask you that when they come up to you, like, the plug? Like, what does it mean and how did how did you come up with a name? Do When people come um, support you, do they ever ask you about the name? Yeah, a lot of people do. And I always give them that, the same answer. I'm just plugging you in with the food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get plugged in, you know. Yep. What days, so so what do your days look like now as far as, like, uh, having more more time on your hands to, you know, just focus um, solely on your business, like what is your your structure like for as far as like business wise? Like what days do you typically work now? Usually now I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday through Wednesday. I spend time with my kids and I also prep up to get ready for the week and figure out my locations. Mm-hmm. So as far as like uh, kind of like a, a more of like a long term or just looking into the future, we know you you move around. Quite a bit. Um, like I know we're talking outside about you know a, uh, potentially uh, the food truck. Is there any um, thing in the future as far as like a like a location somewhere that you you want to have or like a permanent location like a building? Yeah, I do want. I want to have a building, but in my mind right now, I want to have the same thing I got going on right now because it just seemed more convenient for in and out. I want to have the same setup in five, six different locations in different cities. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking outside also about, you know, you know, staying here, you know, running a business. Um, but sometimes, like we say, you, you might need to leave um, and and build something somewhere else. Like, where are you at as, as far as that? Like you say, you know, you want to expand and, you know, build in different cities. But are you, are you at a point where you, you feel like, South Carolina is where you want to be to, to to continue to build your business, or do you want to like expand beyond, or you think you may need to you know relocate? I think I should relocate because deep down I feel like I done conquered the most I can conquer at this point, um, and I want more and more and more. Um, I like for the business to continue here, but I like to have it elsewhere too, 
in a bigger city, different state, mm-hmm. and just take it from there. Yeah, I, I always, I, I say the same thing, man. Um, as far as like being here, I, I love it. This, this is home. Um, making a lot of great connections. Um, being in this space, um, you know, partnering up with Julius, which I'm thankful for that opportunity as well. But it's still like at times, I'm like, man, what, what happens if, uh, I relocate? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know leave family and friends behind, but what are we missing out on if we don't, you know, eventually go out and, and, and take that chance? But right. uh, to me, I, the the one thing I, I've always been saying, though, is, you know, for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to, you know, re, it'll be great to relocate and build something, but for me, it, it just will feel more fulfilling, you know, kind of like stay home and, and build something for the people. Kind of like when and I, 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 I'm always use this analogy. It's like when LeBron left and went to Miami, he won a championship. But it felt more fulfilling, more purposeful when he went back home to Cleveland and, and won, a, and won another mm-hmm. championship. So for me, I feel the same way. It's like, man, it'll be great, you know, go relocate, build something, and come back home. But if I stay here, you know, that'll be a, a great feeling as well. Plus, a lot of times we 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 do a lot of traveling. And it's like a lot of it is out of state, but at the same time, man, it's still people here. But, you know, like, like they always say, like, even in entrepreneurship or anything, like, sometimes, you know, your biggest supporters will be the people that you don't know, and they open up these doors of, of opportunity for you. Um, just a few more questions, and we'll, we'll get ready to um, wrap it up. Now now that your kids have, um, are getting older, like, what are, what are you um, encouraging them to do as far as, like, um, with school, then you got college and get a job or uh, entrepreneurship. Like, what are you like? Kind of like wanting them, which they all had their own different personalities. Right. What What are you kind of thinking of? As far as like, what would you way were you trying to like encourage them? Well, I try to encourage them now to to go down the education road, and you know, I tell them that as long as you got education, your life will be a lot easier. College ain't for everybody, but if that's your choice, that's your choice. Because sometimes you can go to school and you might not, you know, go in the field that you went to school for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it always don't work out like that. Some people might have a bachelor's degree and be working at McDonald's. It happens it that happens. way. It's real. Um, that's how the world's set up. It's, it's who you know. It's sad to say because some people might not know what you know, but they might get the job and you don't. Mm-hmm. But I just always tell them, you know, keep your head on swivel and, you know, do the right things in life and stay in them books because it, it'll get you a long way in life. I didn't get to ask – I meant to ask you this earlier when we were talking about, you know, being from Jones or back home. What do you feel like we could do in general, like what should happen to our area? Because, you know, once our school left, that was it. Like it was really kind of yeah. like a ghost, ghost town. Time. So yeah. it's like you just ride through and that's, that's it. There's nothing there. Really, I mean, you still had a cafe there, um, TNL Diner, um, the couple of gas stations, Dollar General, but that's it. It's like we don't really have nothing else. Like, what do you feel like, in general, we could do to kind of like revive like our own community? I think some of the things that we brought to the bigger cities, we should take back to Jonesville. Mm-hmm. We need some kind of business. We uh, need something. Yeah, I mean, you you got the Dollar General plant that's there, but. Um, Belk, Belk is gone now, but I I just feel like we're missing a lot of stuff. Once they took that out of our community, man, it feel like it just no reason to like 
And it's sort of like like what we said though. A lot of people we feel like we can't get so far, and a lot of people did. Then they took their business elsewhere, and then leaving Jonesville is a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of people like I said only go so far. There's nothing there for them, um, so they want to leave. But it, that's that's what hurts us too. Is like when people up and leave and don't come back, and and like I said, it's in in certain situations it is necessary for you to get up and leave and go see go explore but some kind of way I wish it was a way that we could do something you know kind of like revive it like bring some of those business because the area it's a lot of people moving this way now it is it's, it's going it's going to be in the next five years South Carolina is going to look totally different but we definitely it's a lot of like vacant buildings out there and a lot of empty space a lot of land in jungle there's nothing there um we just missing a lot once we um once our school left that was pretty much it so it's like now what can we do to kind of like revive it in some kind of capacity, you know, bring something there? Because I think, like I said, five years, it's going to look totally different. Somebody can, maybe somebody can potentially bring something there. I don't even know, do they still do the, uh, I remember they used to have like the the festival or something. I don't even think they do nothing. I don't even know if they, they even do that now down mm-hmm. there. We used to, I remember we used to be right there on, on Main Street, but I don't even know any of that stuff going like a parade or nothing like Yeah. We done lost so much since uh, since the school left. Um, a few more questions, and we're almost done. Um, for you, what kind of goals can you that you that you're willing to speak on? You don't have to share everything that you have um, as far as yourself, as far as your business. Like, what kind of goals um, do you have like moving forward? Well, my next goal is I want to stop being a worker because I still feel like. I'm the boss, but I still feel like I'm a worker. When I'm not touching the grill or cooking no more and I can look over somebody and they they working for me, that's when I feel like I accomplished it. Mm-hmm. Then I can move on to the next thing. I want to always set the next goal and continue to set the next one. Do you, you have people working for you now too, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, how, how did you uh, go about building your team? Is it just people you already knew? Like uh, people yeah. come up to you asking you for jobs? Yeah, yeah. I, I usually try to help the people out, you know, that – can't work or need help, I, I usually try to take on them because mm-hmm. I can help them out more than I could somebody who already got a job. Right. I remember I, I had this happen to me um, covering the Hornets game. It was the last game of the season. Go in and use use the restroom and there's a guy cleaning up or whatever. And he was like, and I was like, man, well, this, this is it right here for the, the season. He's like, yeah, man, they're getting ready to uh, – he he said some some other stuff. He's like, yeah, they gonna clean it up, mess. They gonna get ready to mess my money up or whatever. And he's like, man, what do you do? I said, man, I um I work for myself. Um, started my own business, media business, you know, and I'm up here covering the horns. He's like, man, you you hiring? And I'm like, man, I'm I'm working on it. So I wish I could give him. That. I was like, yeah, man, you just put in an application or something, and then I'll get back to you. So I'm I'm still in that process, but it's happened more times. Uh, um, over the fat past few months, when people ask me, "Am I hiring?" or they'll send somebody to me that's working in this particular field, they ask for like advice or some kind of help. So to me, I take that as a sign from God. It's like, man, all right, I'm I'm doing this. So now I need to, you know, continue to go and expand because now people are gonna be looking for me for like opportunities, mm-hmm. and I want to be in a position, like you said, to be able to like give them, give back to them, and help other people and whatever they're doing, just kind of like get in the field, get that knowledge and. Um, experience because like I said I always know how it felt you know trying to get that experience or an opportunity and not receive it so for me I want to be that person that kind of like 
it's like a open that door for them to you know not necessarily saying you have to just stay with me forever right like use use um your use me as an experience to like learn and build your own opportunity the same way that i did so for you as far as like advice for people that um have a dream or vision of what they want to do like what kind of advice would you give them for somebody Maybe it is entrepreneurship, or maybe it's not. But what advice? If somebody has this big dream that they want to achieve. Like, what advice would you give them? Well, the biggest thing that, like, what I put in my head: don't be scared to try, because you never know until you try. You can't be scared to fail, because you can't never get it correct if you never fail. So, sometimes you got to take the downs to get the up. Absolutely. Did you feel like one of your lowest points? You know. Letting everything go, move in. Was would you feel like that was like a, um, like one of your lowest points yeah, for you? It was. It was one mm-hmm. of one of my breaking points. Mm-hmm. So what do you what did you tell yourself in, in that moment? It's like, all right, my back is against the wall. This is it. Like, what what did you kind of like stuff that were you telling yourself well, in those situations? I just put myself in a dark room and just thought to myself, like, am I gonna give up or am I gonna keep fighting? Because I know the people looking at me. And they don't want me to quit. So it's not meaning that I failed if I did go back to work, but in my mind, I just want to continue to do what I've been doing because I knew that I made it before, so I know I could do it again. Mm-hmm. What did, what does the city of you know our town of Jonesville and Kevin? What does that does that like mean to you? Even though you're not down there all the time, um, you you have a business to run. Um, what what does that our city and our community mean to you? It means a lot because I can interact with people that most people can't, like different races. I can I can interact with them because a lot of them was our best friends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of places you go, you can't get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love the town, man. That's why I'm, I'm wanted to ask you, like, how did they feel? You know, being being where we're from, um, it's a small town. When you go to different places, like bigger cities, it feels like you're in a in a different world, but it's always it's still good to get out of that that bubble and you know be able to you know to network with other people. Um, we're getting ready to to uh to wrap this up. Um, I gotta ask you this. Like I'm, I'm with you on on everything. You know I'm I'm a sports guy and I know you watch sports. <laughs> so I you know I I gotta ask you before we get ready to wrap this interview up. Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> I, I gotta ask you about it because man at times. You get carried away, but it's like all Cowboys fans, though. So since we talk about sports, I love talking about sports, man, and I cover the games. Talk about the Cowboys, man. What is it about the Cowboys? That's my family team, man. I just I stick with them through it all, ups and downs. We ain't won in 30 years, but that's what shows you that, that I'm a real fan, though. I stick with us through it all. So, so let me – I got to ask you this. Next year, is, is that y'all year? Super Bowl next year? That's always the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but every time you talk to Cowboys fan, uh, we going to the Super Bowl this year. We going to the Super Bowl this year. Every year is y'all year. That's one thing about Cowboys fan. I give y'all that. Every year y'all always say, "Man, we going to the Super Bowl." That's our year. Yeah. But I will say though, I did like the moves y'all did make in the off season though. When we, when you got uh you got Gilmore, you got Brandon Cook from the Cowboys. Um, 
With draft picks, you never really know until they get yeah, out of the field. Yeah, you'll never know. They could be hyped up. Yeah, they mm-hmm. could. Michael Parsons was the one that was a was a game changer for y'all. But I I I think y'all will make the playoffs this year though. But as far as like getting to the Super Bowl, <laughs> AFC side loaded. All right, no. I already know you want to say say y'all gonna go. I already know it's, it's you want to say it. I do, but the AFC loaded though. But they, they got every good quarterback over there. Yeah, the AFC. Yeah, I'm a Ravens fan, man. That's my team. But I'm always I, I like to be objective because it's it's tough. I, plus, like our offense, we never Lamar didn't really have any weapons. Yep, y'all so, still need some. Yeah, we still we got Odell, but you he ain't played. It's going on almost a year and a half, two years. So we don't know what he got left. Then we drafted a receiver, but our receivers never really pan out when we drafted. We're better at like going to just sign like a better, yeah. Mm-hmm. But main thing is I was I'm telling I've been telling people like, look, I've been a lifelong Raven fan. We don't get Lamar, I'm out. I'm like I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Nah, well, we ain't y'all been signing enough. Because like, you know how hard it is to to find a quarterback, and they really be good, man. Like MVPs don't just grow on trees. Like Lamar won the MVP his second year in the league. So I was like, man, we don't take care of Lamar. Like, who else are you gonna get out here? Cause I know y'all would rather have take Lamar over Dak. I would, and exactly. I'm a Dak fan. <laughs> and I, man, I think Dak he he's he's good enough though to I think get y'all there. I he, just I just feel like they don't let him open the offense up like they did his first year come when he came in. He used to run it. He used to run a little bit. They don't let him do none of that no more. Might be because of that ankle injury he had too. But I think now wait, Zeke gone. You got Tony Pollard coming off an uh, ankle injury. It's going to probably be in his hands even more now. That problem was he was just turning the ball over. Yeah, he Like, did. y'all really could have beat San Francisco. Yeah. But. I think he was still hurt, though. Who? I think Dak really was still hurt from when he, when he broke the thong. I think they rushed him back. Because yeah. cause Rush was Cooper Rush good. was winning, yeah. <laughs> but, but, man, Dak, he, he's better than Cooper Rush, though, so. Yeah. It just, but they were hyping it up, though. That's yeah, all they, they take. was, yeah. Especially when, like, but you know, this man making this type of money, you gonna put him back in because yeah. you ain't just paying nobody, whatever, hundred million or whatever, just to sit on the bench. So regardless, he gonna get, he gonna get back in the game as soon as he get ready. But you Definitely. know, they they can cause some friction or whatever. You see somebody winning like that, and you over there on the bench, not even playing. So Dak probably ready to get out, get back out. His problem was just like the turnover. Yeah, he did. he had a bad year with that. But the defense was solid. Yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all, the defense held their own to try to like win that game for y'all. But I just had to ask you about them Cowboys <laughs> before we got out here, though, man, because when the season start, I already know y'all will get carried away again. Oh yeah, we got to the first game with the season. Don't let you, y'all win the first game. Oh, that's it right there. Oh, we going. We're ready to be in Charlotte this year. Oh, they do play. Oh yeah, they, I think this, the official schedule come out tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. But but they already have like the team where they playing it, so you might be down there tailgate. Nah, I gotta go in the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get ready to wrap this up, man. My final question that I love to ask everybody, um, as part of the uh, Cross Line Podcast, when I'm on the road traveling, interviewing entrepreneurs, and they share their journeys, I love asking everybody at the end, like, what does self investment mean to you? You gotta give y'all everything you get. You get in, you gotta put back out. Most definitely, most definitely. Self investment, the best investment. Like I said, like you've been saying all interview, don't be afraid to bet on yourself. Um, always pursue your goals. Um, it's not gonna be easy, um, but you gotta pick your head up and keep going. So, Gump, 
the plug. I appreciate you for coming on, man. Before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you? You follow me on Facebook at the plug or my business page, Plug Cafe. Absolutely. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, man, I appreciate you. And the one thing that I, I really respect is the fact that uh, despite everything you went through, man, you, you took a chance, you bet on yourself, you didn't give up, and you just stayed consistent because a lot of times people will start start something or just stop. and just stop. It doesn't pan out the way they wanted it to or it's not a quick flip or they're just doing it for the money and it's not purposeful for them and they just stop at some point in, in, in the, along their journey. Um, and when you give up, then that's really it. But you but you stay true to what you were doing, man. You love doing what you're doing. You're making a difference. Um, and I like to see you, you know, moving around, you know, um, pursuing different things. And um, I always have been willing to, you know, put your ha- have your hand in different business ventures and not giving up on your dream. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode. Gump, I appreciate you again, man. I appreciate y'all. Absolutely. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.